Well, good morning, church. Man, it's so good to be with you. You can hear me this time. That's good. That is good. Hey, I got a question for you. How, how is it that we are to use our wealth? How is it that we should approach what it is that we have, like our stuff, our cars, our, our homes, our cell phones, our clothes, our wealth, uh, everything that we've amassed, how is it that we should look at it? How is it that we should approach it? Uh, when we have come to have an abundance of things, wealth, money, possessions, stuff, when we come to amass it all, how is it that we should approach it? What, what is our approach? And maybe some of you are thinking, oh, well, I don't have any of that. So the same question applies to you. Well, how is it that you approach your lack of stuff? Your lack of material possessions? Your lack of abundance or at least your perception that you lack abundance. We're in this series, Life is Short, and uh, we're looking in the book of Ecclesiastes, and he is just taking us through uh, these realities in life that we all have to deal with. Everybody has to deal with money, with stuff, with material things. And he is uh, simply going to take us through uh, some realities of life. And How is it that we approach our wealth, our, our stuff? When we find that we have an abundance of things, how is it that we approach it? When we find that we, we don't have the stuff that we want, how, how is it that we approach? And, and, and there's, really, uh, there's really two ways of going about approaching our wealth, our stuff, our possessions, our material things. There's two vantage points that we can look at. There's two philosophies about how it is that we approach our money, our stuff. Our possessions, our homes, our cars, our cell phones, our clothes, our heirlooms. Join me in Ecclesiastes this morning as we look at this reality of life. How do we approach our money? Turn with me, if you will, Ecclesiastes. We're going to start in Ecclesiastes 2. Or we're going to jump back and forth this morning between Ecclesiastes 2 and Ecclesiastes 5. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible or you want to reach out and grab one, please do so. I'm going to be on page 461 to start this morning. Page 461. What are some philosophies about how we approach our stuff? What are some approaches, some vantage points? The author of Ecclesiastes really gives us two philosophies. The first one really being, get all you can and can all you get. Get all you can and can all you get. You can actually live this way. You can actually make the center of your life about getting stuff. About living for more. Look at verse 3 in chapter 2, page 461, if you're following along in your pew Bibles. 
I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under the sun, under the heavens, during the few days of their lives. So I undertook great projects. Notice how selfish this drive is. He says, I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves to flourishing trees, of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem, as well as the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my work, and this was the reward for all of my labor." Get all you can and can all you get. There's a legitimate philosophy out there currently that says let's get all we can and can all we get. Let's make our own thrones. Let's live for more, right? It's this idea of I just need more. I need more money. Maybe some of you are sitting there thinking about your retirement and someone asks you, well, what's the number? What's the amount? And if we're honest, there's a little bit, a part of us that wants to say, well, actually, it's a little bit more, right? I just need a little bit more. I I need a more house. I need more car. I need more technology. I need more clothes. I need I need more. I need more education. I need more notoriety. I need more rewards. I need more. I need it. I need to get all that I can. I need to build all that I can. I need to save all that I can. There's this philosophy in life that says, I need more. And and with this philosophy of more, of getting all that I can out of life, uh, of building my own empire, is this idea of if I can get more, then I will be happy, right? If I can just get a little bit more, if I can just get a little more house, if I can just get a little more car, if I can just get a little more technology, if I can just get a little more education, if I can just get a little more notoriety, then then I will find enjoyment, right? If I can just do this, then this will be the natural result and my life will be good. And everything will be fantastic. If I could just build enough, if I could just have enough, if I could just have a little more, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. Then I'll be satisfied. Then I can find enjoyment. Then happiness will come to visit me. The author of Ecclesiastes says that if we choose this philosophy of life, that if we choose the philosophy of life that says, I just need a little more, 
that I, I need to get all I can and can all I get, then there's some outcomes that we probably need to think about. Join me in the text. Uh, go to verse 18 in chapter 2. Go to verse 18. He says, hey, if you make your life a philosophy of life to center on this idea that I just need a little more, then you need to know that when you die, all that stuff has to go to somebody else. Check this out. He begins this whole section with saying, I hated life. Now notice why he does. Look at verse 18. He says, I hated all the things that I had toiled for under the sun. Why? He says, because I I must leave them to the one who comes after me. He says, and who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. He will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. This too is a puff of smoke chasing after the wind. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. Hey, look, uh, you can go this way. It's legitimate. You can go to get all you can and can all you get. You can desire uh, that you just need a little bit more out of life. And then you can chase the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that says, if I just get a little more, then I'm going to be happy, then I'm going to be satisfied, then I'm going to be fulfilled. Uh, but you need to know that if that happens one day, one day all of that is going to go to somebody else. And you will have no control over how it's used. Uh, Maybe you were super wise. Uh, Maybe you did all the right things with all that you had. Uh, But eventually, someday, it's going to be left to someone and they get to use it however they want. I remember growing up, my, my, my grandmother had given this old hutch to my dad. And it was kind of an old, rickety thing. I don't know how long it had been in the family. And, uh, but my grandmother just adored this hutch. But she had given it to my dad. It was, it was one of these few gifts that my, my grandmother had given to my dad. And, and uh, we had it in our house for a while. And then in one of the houses that we lived in, there uh, happened to be a pipe that burst right near that hutch. Water got all over it, and it kind of warped the boards and everything. And so my dad, uh, we, we were moving from one place to another, and we, we had a fireplace. And so my dad thought, well, it's pretty much worthless, can't use it anymore. So he took a saw, chopped it all up, and we burned it for firewood. And I remember a couple summers later, my sister and I were in the back seat with my grandmother and my grandfather in the front seat. And we walked into a restaurant, and my grandma said, Oh, that hutch looks just like the one I gave your dad. And I knew enough. I was a little older. I kept silent. (laughs) But my sister, my sister yells out, Oh, yeah, that's the one dad burned. You see, you can amass many things, but eventually, someday, someone else is going to have charge over what it is uh, that you worked hard to get, and you don't have any control over whether they do great things with it or whether they chop it up and burn it. He says, you, 
You want to go for the outcome, a philosophy of life that says, I just need more in order to be happy, in order to find fulfillment and satisfaction, enjoyment? Then you need to be aware that when you're gone, you have no control over how it's going to be used. He doesn't stop there. He says, uh, hey, if you're going to amass, if you're going to make your life goal all about getting more, then you need to know that there's going to be people who want a little bit of what you have. They want your money, not you. Uh, in my day, we call them mooches. You know what a moocher is? Someone who just comes along, kind of on your coattails, like if you have a nice dinner, I'll just have a little with you. And notice what he says in chapter 5, if you go over and flip the page, chapter 5, verse 11, he says, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. All these other people. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? Hey, hey the more stuff you get, the more people are going to want a piece of you. Several years ago, I remember a movie coming out. It was called Greedy. And the whole plot line of the movie is that Uncle Joe is getting old. But Uncle Joe has a lot of money. And as he gets old, his family begins to look at him going, hmm, who's going to get the inheritance? Who's going to get all that Uncle Joe has worked so hard for? And so there's this gathering of family all fighting uh, to try and impress Uncle Joe so that in the end they will get the inheritance. The preacher, the teacher in Ecclesiastes says, hey, hey, this is legitimate. You can go after a philosophy of life that says I'm going to get more. I'm going to get all I can and can all I get. But in the end... Uh, you're going to have people that want it. You're going to have people that desire your money more than they desire you. In the ancient world, there were three conditions to happiness and enjoyment. In the ancient world, it was thought that if you had these three things, you would have absolute enjoyment, absolute satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness, it would all be there. The author of Ecclesiastes seems to say that I have all of these things. Wealth, a long life, and many children. Three conditions. He has all of them. Notice what he says in chapter 6. There at the very beginning, if you need to, turn the page. Look at verse 3. He says, a man may have a hundred children and live many years. Yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he is. It comes without meaning talking about the child. It comes, it departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than the man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity, do not all go to the same place. What he's saying is if you choose this philosophy, if you choose this way of life, if you choose that center for your being, 
you don't get rest. You don't have peace because you're so worried about centering your life over getting more that you forget to enjoy what it is that you already have. When I was a kid, I was told the story of the unsinkable Molly Brown. She goes over the mountain. She finds this man. This man goes out and finds a silver mine and then a gold mine. And when he had first found the silver mine, it said that, that the unsinkable Molly Brown's husband gave her thousands of dollars to hide somewhere in the house. And that she went from one place to another trying to find a good place to, in that day to, find, you know, to, to hide $1,000. Where should I hide all of this money? And she would put it in one place, and then she'd think, no, that's not a very good place. And she would find another place. It said uh, that in the end, she decided uh, that the best place to keep it, that where she could be restful and peaceful about putting this money was in the fireplace. Because surely no one would think to look for money in the fireplace. So thinking she was at peace with where her money was, she goes in, she falls asleep, only to have her husband come in later that night and start a fire. You see, you can choose to live life to try and get more, to have more, to try and amass more uh, so that you just have this with the idea that maybe one day uh, you'll be happy. But the preacher and the teacher in Ecclesiastes says, if you do that, know that your life will be restless. That you will suffer from a lack of peace. Yesterday, I went to McDonald's and I asked for a Happy Meal. Actually, I just asked for a box. It made me very unhappy that they don't have boxes anymore. You know, the marketing of a Happy Meal is amazing. The idea is that if I can go to McDonald's and buy a Happy Meal, what will it do? It will make me happy. And it does for about 3.14 seconds until we reach inside and realize that the toy is not the one that we wanted. Oh yeah, Happy Meals can make us happy. The only problem is we have to continue to go back again and again and again and again and again in order to be happy. You choose a philosophy of life that says, I just need more. I need more. I need more. I need another happy meal tomorrow. I need another happy meal tomorrow. I need more things. Notice what the author says. In verse 10, he says, Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his outcome. It's meaningless. If you're striving for the next Happy Meal, it's never going to be enough. My sister, 
I remember going to shop for a homecoming dress. If you've never had that experience of having to go with someone to buy a homecoming dress or a prom dress, then maybe God will deliver you. But here's what is crazy to me. Just, I don't understand. Ladies, you might have to help me. We will spend hours, hours looking for the dress. Won't we? Girls, ladies, right? It might be a wedding dress. It might be a prom dress. It might be a home. I mean, we got to find the dress. Now, Homecoming happens, like if you're in high school, four times. Hopefully four times. Right? I'm thinking, like, you can go out and find one, and it's okay. Right? This whole philosophy is like searching for a homecoming dress. Because you know what? Next year, you're going to want another dress. Because the old one is like, you've worn it once, and you can't do that again. If you take the philosophy, this approach, this vantage point to wealth, that if you have a little more, then you'll be happy, it will never be enough. How many of you have recently gotten a new cell phone? Yeah, anybody? You're like, I love this cell phone. I mean, it does all of these cool things. Some of you don't even know how all of the things on your phone work. That's how cool it is. And you think, this, I have, I have arrived right now. I have it. And then two months from now, when the new phone comes out, you're perfectly satisfied with your old phone, right? Right? Or, or are you striving like, oh man, this, this phone, <sighs> I got this old phone. How about your car? You do that with your car? You go out, you get the car. I mean, it's the color, it runs maybe. And then you pull into the parking lot and this, and this thing just grabs you like, if I had more, if I had a little more car, if I had a little more horsepower, if I had a little more leather, if I had a little more pulling capacity, then, oh, then my life would be good. If I had a little more house, mm, if I just had that extra bedroom, then. And the author says, Hey, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. Do you recognize how he says we all go out? We all go out, meaning death. When we die, we go out how we came in. Notice what he says. Look at verse 15 in chapter 5. He says, naked a man comes from his mother's womb. And as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. It's a puff of wind. 
Crew, life is short. So how we go about approaching our money, our wealth, our stuff is really vitally important. You see, happy meals will never buy happy trails. Happy meals will never buy happy trails. So if you decide this philosophy of more is right for you, then you need to know right up front that you're buying a happy meal that's never going to satisfy you. Happy meals will never buy happy trails. So what's the other approach? What's the other philosophy? What's the other vantage point to our wealth, to our money, to our stuff? Really, it's quite simple. Enjoy the goods that God has given to you and find contentment. Enjoy the goods that God has given you and find contentment. Look at chapter 2, verse 24, through the end of the chapter. A man can do nothing better than to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without Him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases Him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, He gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the ones who please God. Can you find enjoyment in what it is that God has already given you. Now, I get it. All of us would probably love some special insight into the sovereignty of God and how He purposes uh, some people for certain things and other people for other things. Uh, We look around in our world, don't we? And the reality of life is some people have more money than other people. There are some people in this room that have more money, more stuff, more things, uh, because God has, for whatever reason, set them in circumstances and given them opportunities that other people in this room have not gotten. Some of you grew up in families where there was a large network of people, and when you got older and God had given you the abilities to do certain things, You had a network of people in which you could associate with. And because of that, your life has flourished. You have an abundance. There are others of you that grew up in homes where where maybe it was tough to find $2 to rub together. And yet God still saw that you had gifts and abilities, you had skills, and you were just as hard as this person over here who had all the opportunity in the world. And yet you have found that in your life that you have had less. And you still have to decide, in that, will you find enjoyment and contentment And what God has given. Will you say, God, it's enough. And I will seek to find the enjoyment in it right now. A couple years ago, my grandpa. I didn't know my grandpa growing up, really. His name is Sonny. What a fantastic man. That's a whole other sermon. But what a great guy. He calls me up. I was talking to him about some different things. I had this little uh, 14-foot fishing boat that I was remodeling, and we did some different things, and I was all excited. So I called my grandpa, and I said, Hey, Grandpa, guess what? 
we got this boat, and it's all, it's just so cool. And I got the seat up here, and we did this, and we put the holders in. Man, it was great. And he goes, when are you going to get a bigger one? And I said, oh, Grandpa, I can't afford a bigger one. You know, that's going to come later sometime. And he said, well, how about you take mine? What? Yeah, how about you take mine? If you come out and get it, it's yours. You see, Grandma had died and Grandpa had lost his fishing partner, so now he's going to go with his brother, and so his boat is just going to sit in the garage, and he said, hey, why don't you take mine? It's a 1992 Sylvan Eliminator. That sounds cool, doesn't it? It's got a 75-horse Mercury engine on the back. It's got a little kicker, 9.9. It's got some little gadgets. It's got two downriggers on the side. Oh, man, I was so excited. And then I can take it to the lake. And I'd be lying if I said, there's something. Oh, man, I was so excited. Never had a boat. Never thought I'd have a boat like this. And then I take it to the lake, and I have a 25-year-old boat. It's got a 75 horse motor on the back. And I'm pulling down into the lake, and there's another guy right over there. And he's got an inboard outboard, 300 horsepower, all shiny, no dirt. It's not quite the 92 Sylvan Eliminator. And in that moment, I have to make a strategic choice of which philosophy I'm going to follow. And so far, so far, we've chosen to say, thank you, God, for giving us something that we couldn't possibly have imagined, that we can enjoy, that we can take it out on the lake, that we can have family and friends with us. Help us to enjoy this in the moment and not worry about all the other boats. Now, I don't know if you have a boat, but you might have a home. Maybe it was built in the early 1920s. Maybe it was in the 40s. Maybe it was in the 60s and you look at it when you go home and you think, ah, it's not that house over there. Maybe it's the car that you wish had a little more in it. And I think the author of Ecclesiastes is saying, find enjoyment and contentment in whatever it is that God has given you in the moment. You see, happy meals don't buy happy trails. But the good life, the good light, good life is crammed with contentment. You want a good life, cram it with contentment. At the very end of the Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. They've been trying to find the cup 
that Jesus used at the Last Supper. The fountain of youth. If you drink from it, you'll live forever. You'll live forever. His dad has made his whole life about chasing this one thing. And at the end, Indiana Jones' dad has his son, Indiana, in his arm. And Indiana's stretching out and he can almost reach the cup. And his dad, knowing it's beyond his reach, says, let it go, Indy. This morning, you have a choice to make in the philosophy of how you will approach your wealth. Will you live over here in the philosophy that decides, I just need a little more? Or will you say, I will enjoy the goodness that God has given me now and be content? You see, Happy meals will never lead to happy trails. But the good life is crammed with contentment. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. And I pray, Lord, that that our lives would reflect your glory in how we approach our stuff. I pray for myself. That when I look at my home and my car and my technology and my gear and my clothes, every bit of it, Lord, I pray that I will find contentment in what you have given. I pray it will be good enough and I will give you glory. Lord, I pray that you are transforming how we view our things. We love you, Lord. Transform our lives to look more like you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.